Welcome to the Littlestown Chapel Podcast. When you get an opportunity, check us out on the web at littlestownchapel.org. Now, we hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Joshua Stratton. My shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. As I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I take a look at my life and realize there's nothing left. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Continuing in our series on uh, the book of Psalms, and we're talking through really the songs of the soul. We're, we're looking um, at the message of our Lord and Savior through the heart of God's people as they share um, in the ups and in the downs and as they pour out um, their praise and worship uh, to the Lord of all. And so um, I think as we look, uh, as we pause and we look at Psalm 23, um, I think we're going to see God at a different level. And I hope that it, we can apply it to our lives. I think we're going to see him um, and and. and that will cha- we'll see him in a way that will change the perspective of every situation in our lives. And this, this Psalm 23, obviously, I'll show you these video clips because it, it's captivated audiences. It's captivated the hearts of God's people. It's captivated the world, really, generation after generation after generation. Um, you know, obviously, um, some of the people that it, you saw there quoting the scripture, I don't even know what their faith level is, but the, the reality of David's intimacy with God is captivating. The, the, the comfort from uh, who God is and the promises of what he would provide is, is something that, you know, re- brings rest to your soul. And I'm sure many of you have maybe read this psalm before or memorized this psalm. Um, Maybe you've been to a funeral and you've heard this psalm read. And I want to look at it today maybe at a different angle. Maybe open up your heart and see what God may share with you maybe at a different level today. Really what this psalm is about is David's unwavering faith in his God. That David could put his full trust in the good shepherd. He's crying out, I trust you. I trust you, God. It's a song of his faith. It's a song of his trust in the Lord of all. And as we read it together, I want us to think about 
where our faith is. I think many of us have trusted in God and, and, and we've maybe haven't grown in that faith. Maybe, you know, everybody trusts in God. Does anybody know what this is? This is what I sit at my table. This is what I sit in. <laughs> now, this is a bumbo seat. And uh, it's really cool. I mean, uh, this is Josie. She doesn't use this insert anymore. But, ooh, there's food in there. So, <laughs> There's actually an insert in here. There's a little cool pink insert that fits in here. And she could actually, when she was really little, she could just sit in here and, and play and stuff like that. It has a really cool tray, you know, and... And uh, this, was, this, this was everything, you know. This was the right seat for her at that age. And now she's getting a little bit bigger, and she doesn't want this seat anymore. She wants the big guy seat, you know. She wants to be in the big girl seat. And um, I think of, when I read this psalm, when you read this psalm, I think of David as kind of graduated. You know, his, his faith that we see here, the trust that he has in the Lord is graduated. It's mature. You see, when you're a, a little guy, when you first put your faith in God, you're just sort of trusting Him, and you're almost like a little child. You're like, I, I, He feeds me. He takes care of me. You're still not 100% sure about Him. You know, all, all children are kind of like that. And, you know, and I believe my, my kids have faith in me, you know, as a, as a dad, as a father. You know, they, they follow me around. They, my, my littlest one's always asking me, you know, crying. He doesn't speak too much. He's always crying, you know, yeah, I'm hungry, man, you know. And so he knows that I'm the one who provides for him. But I don't think he totally understands how to thank me for what he has. And so I think his faith in me is very different than someone who's older and can actually thank me. You see, what moves a person in their faith from here to hear is actually gratitude. And think about this for a minute, you know. When you were a kid, when you were a teenager, or you know, just growing up in your household, and you think about your parents, and you think about what they, uh, all the different things that they did to you. You didn't, did to you, they did for you. <laughs> My parents are downstairs, so they're not hearing this. Um, you're not, you're not like, you're not really aware. Yeah, you, you have faith in them. Yeah, you, you trust them. Yeah, you care for them. But I tell you, when I have my own kids and parenting and all the things that my parents did for me, I started to live, you know. And I was rehearsing it because it was happening to me. I mean, there is a point when, it, and all my kids kind of came fast. Boom! <laughs> I came back to my parents and I'm like, I love you guys. <laughs> I just realized what you did for me. You know? And in until you have that sense of gratitude, until you're able to see and rehearse and celebrate what the Lord has done for you, who he is, my understanding of my dad and my mom is completely different now. 
I mean, teenagers, you know, you focus on all their shortcomings. When I was able to step back and see exactly what they'd done for me, and I was thankful for that, that changed who they were to me. And here you're like, you're giving me, I'm getting taken care of. I'm, I'm, I'm getting what I need. I'm, you're, you're crying for it. Ah, ah. And here, you're appreciating it. There's faith here. There's salvation here. But oh, what do you experience over here in the big boy seat? When no longer you're just praying, Lord, provide for me. Lord, take care of this difficult situation. But you're able to see him in all of his character and in all of his glory. You're able to see him with all the things that he's done for you, with all the things he's done for the people around you, with the reality of your own salvation, and you're able to cry out, thank you, Lord. You begin to not just, you begin to experience the promises of God at a different level. To grow in your faith, in this, your own security, your understanding of the security of your salvation is to be thankful. And that's why the scriptures tell us over and over again, rejoice in the Lord always, celebrate him, have a thankful heart. Over and over again, we need to, in every circumstance, give thanks to the Lord, as it says in 1 Thessalonians. Because this is what takes us from here to here. And here is where you start to really understand and experience who God is. Friends, be done with this. It's time to move on. And this isn't one afternoon. This is a lifestyle of gratitude. It'll change everything. And when we read this psalm this morning, and you start to think about what David was going through, I think you'll see that his faith is strong and mature and it's changed everything in his life, even the bad times. And I want, I want us, when we read this, to think why we're, why we're going through this message today. What do I need to do to put that seed away? What do I need to go, what do I need to do to graduate to the big boy chair. So, everybody, if you would, open up your Bibles to Psalm 23. If you're using one of the Bibles here at church, it's actually on page 458. And I'd like to read it and then uh, just pray over the reading of God's Word. So... David writes to us, he says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness and for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, 
I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me. In the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Would you pray with me? Lord, we praise you for your word. Lord, I just ask, Lord, as we dig into this, that we would have a greater understanding, a greater sense of who you are. Help us in our faith and in our unbelief. Lord God, would you grant us a heart of gratitude, Lord. And Father, some of us, this is, this is, this is a chapter we need to be reading, Lord, because we are right there in the difficult times, Lord God. In the, the valley. Would you help us to understand that you are with us? Lord, I know that I'm, in an, I'm inadequate by your Holy Spirit to illuminate your word to us. Lord, help us. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Such a powerful passage. And again, um, I, I, I think it boils down to a picture of David and his rich, deep trust of the Lord God Almighty. And he trusts him because he believes that he is the good shepherd. Right? It says the Lord is my shepherd. He's a good shepherd. We know he's a good shepherd to David because he says, I, I shall not want. And I struggled over this because uh, what does it mean that I shall not want? When you think about the word want, you think uh, desire, right? I mean, I think if you actually look it up in the dictionary, uh, one of the, the words that it'll use to describe it is desire. And so what is, what is David saying? He doesn't have any other desires in his life. I don't think that that would be true. In fact, I don't think he wants to be in the valley of the shadow of death. So I'm not sure that we could translate this word in our own English as want per se. And when I looked up the word in the Hebrew, it actually means lack. The word means lack. So it could read, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack. And so what David is, is saying here, he's saying, the Lord is a shepherd. He's the great provider. I have all that I need. Not necessarily all that I'd ever want or desire, but all that I ever need. And if he's trusting in the Lord as the great shepherd, then he's telling us that he trusts that what he has is what he needs because the Lord is the great shepherd. And he goes on to tell artfully of his experience. He talks about the Lord meeting, right? His physical needs. His spiritual needs. He says, his physical needs, right? He says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He's taking me to the best source of food and nourishment. He leads me beside still waters. It's not all muddy and murky and dangerous. 
They're calm, fulfilling, water that satisfies. And so you see this beautiful picture of the great shepherd who cares enough for his sheep to make sure that they're taken care of. He's concerned about them spiritually. He says, he restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. And it restores my soul. It's not just a, that he, he rejuvenates me and gives me energy when I'm worn out. But he's actually cleansing you of unrighteousness. Molding you into his likeness. And this is good news because some of us know where we're at. We know the struggles. We know the addiction. We know the cycles of sin in our own lives. And friends, when the Lord is your shepherd, when you've put your faith in Him, you can depend on Him to work in you, to sanctify you, to make you holy and set apart. When you put your faith in Him, He's going to work in you until that work is completed that you would be righteous. It says there he's, the promise is he's leading you in that path of righteousness to make good godly decisions in your life. To know what is right and what is wrong. What is good and what is bad. This is the good shepherd. And why does he do this? For his own namesake. Because you're his. You're his sheep. He, he, he represents himself by how good he takes care of his sheep. He's a bad shepherd. If the sheep are sick and dirty and disobedient, he's a bad shepherd. If the sheep are stolen and beaten and destroyed by the predators, the Lord is your good shepherd. And for his namesake, he, he, he does this because you represent him. So how does he lead? How is he leading us to the right pastures? How is he leading us beside still waters? How is he restoring our soul? How does he do all these things for his namesake? Um, I, I don't know about you, but I... I I have not had an experience in my life where the clouds opened up and God spoke to me and said, go to that green pasture. Josh. You know, that hasn't happened. I'm not saying that God doesn't ever speak that way. It's very clear he does. I don't think it happens very often. There's people in my life um, who have said that God gave them God gave him clear revelation to become a missionary and 
go off to a different country. He even said that he had an audible voice. And I have no reason to doubt him. But I think most often, God leads us through the promptings of His Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God dwells inside of us if we put our faith in Jesus Christ and He prompts us to move. He prompts us. He pushes us. He gives us these hearts and these desires for different things. God leads us by His people. The church. If you've trusted in Jesus Christ and the Spirit of God lives in you, then He's using you to reveal Himself to the people around you. You want to know God's leading and commit to His people. Build a relationship with them and love them. And these areas are some of the major ways that God leads us. The prompting of His Holy Spirit. The voices of His people. And also through the Word of God. How beautiful is that God's voice is actually recorded. That His thoughts and His mind are put down here. And all that we need to understand right now has been revealed to us in His Word. How beautiful that is. How powerful it is. You want to know God's plan. You want to understand where we're going. You want to know what's right and what's wrong. You want to know what, what to meddle with and what to, what to run from. You understand His heart and who He is, how He thinks, and be in His Word. Let Him lead you. Be consumed by it. And that's what David is saying here. Because in all the other Psalms he talks about, he's, in, in, when he's singing out to God, he's, he's talking about how important God's Word is to his life. He says, the Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. He says, I'll never be put to shame. I fixed my eyes on your Word, on your commandment. I, I will praise you. As I walk in righteousness, he says, because I've learned and put into practice your word into my life. I know your commandments. This, this is how God leads us. And so, you see David just undone as he's celebrating, he's giving his heart out. He has such gratitude for who the Lord really is. Friends, God knows what you need. He's the only one who knows your future. He knows what you need. You can rely on him. He is the great provider. Stop turning to everything else. Think about how much in a day you're influenced by other things. How much are you letting God into your heart? How much is the Word a part of your life? 
You want to have faith that's not shaken. You want to pick up the big boy chair. It's time to sit in him. It's time to rest in his word. It's time to be immersed in him. It's time to be led by the Holy Spirit. It's time to graduate from the infant chair to the big boy chair. It's time to truly put your trust in him. Only there do you find the peace from the psalm. How many people have prayed or have said or have heard or come in contact with Psalm 23, but it's just empty. The words mean nothing to them. Is the Lord really a good shepherd given my own circumstances? David addresses this because look at look in the next part of the, the, the uh, psalm. He changes his tone. And it's really interesting here because you see him go from the green pastures, right, to this dark valley. And he goes from saying, the Lord is my shepherd and talking about him to saying a prayer directly to him. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. And I think he makes this switch because he's, he's clinging to the Lord in this deep time of struggle because he truly is his shepherd. He sees him as his great leader. Um, uh, Levi, when he's uh, with, in the house and he's in a place of comfort, you know, he's got a little bit of attitude and he loves to play this game where he wants me to get close to him, but then he runs away laughing and, uh, and he, he's constantly doing things by himself. He likes to pick up the toys and try to figure out how to break them. And it's good, you know, it's good to see him play like that too because there's a lot going on in the house and stuff like that. He's kind of self-confident in that way. But then when it's a place of fear, he's on my leg or he wants me to hold him. And we were at Hershey Park uh, last week and he, we were in those water section and there was bigger kids there and they were splashing and they're you know and they're uh, running by him and kind of forcefully and the water spraying there's these big buckets dumping water and he's freaked out so he's crying he's close to me and, and I'm thinking that he's gonna love this but it was it was scary for him and so the majority of the time we were in the pool I just held him it's okay buddy you know, and he'd reach out and touch the water and play with it a little bit. And he'd come back to me, you know. This is, this is like David. He sees him as the strong leader. And he's, he's turning to him in the great trials of his life. He describes it as the valley of the shadow of death. Fear to the highest level. But he says he doesn't have any fear. Because he believes in the good shepherd and he's clinging to his leg. 
He says he's resting in, he finds comfort in the rod and the staff. That the shepherd would be able to, the rod is a, is a weapon against predators. And the staff, even if the sheep drift off and go to a place that they're not supposed to, the staff will bring them back in and discipline them. He has the, this comforting view that no matter what the circumstance, he's okay because the Lord is with him. No fear because he trusts his leadership. I think sometimes, I think sometimes we think about the Lord as like this soft, cuddly, doughboy. We think about him as someone who makes us comfortable, reminds us of our past, who makes us feel like, you know, we're going to be taken care of, and it's kind of something that we can hug when we're in times of need. But what really gets us through is not actually that, but that he's a warrior. He's a champion. He can defend us from our greatest enemies. And so there's comforter that he is with me. He's not really like this. He's more like this. <laughs> now, many of you are thinking like, how do you work in He-Man in all your sermons? It's a spiritual gift. <laughs> but what I'm really trying to tell you is, there is no evil. There is no darkness. There is no struggle. There is no hurt. There is no addiction. There is no sickness. There is nothing that this world could possibly throw at you. There is no bully. There is nothing that is bigger than God. There's nothing stronger than Him. Our Lord is a warrior. Our shepherd is strong. He's stronger than your own sin. His staff brings you back in. You are his. And even though, yeah, you can celebrate him when he's in the, the green pasture with you. But even though you're in the valley, in the shadow of death, you're celebrating him because he is with him. And he's trusting his leadership. That's what this boils down to, my friends. Have you truly trusted in his leadership? In the darkest moments of your life where things happen in a way you never thought that they would happen. Have you sat down in him and relaxed? Because he's the warrior. He's the leader. He's the great provider. He knows what you need. Did you think he wouldn't take you 
from here to here? Did you think that he wasn't smart enough? He's smarter than your current circumstance. And he's a good God and a strong God. Now David, David sees him not just as a great leader, but not just and not just as a great shepherd, not just as a warrior, but he sees him as something even more intimate. I'm going to ask uh, Jesse to come up, and um, I have some stage crew guys. You know, we're big time now. I got stage crew. And they're going to put together a little table out here. Because this, the, the psalm takes a real twist here. He almost really is abandoning the shepherd uh, discussion here, the shepherd analogy. And he takes us basically into a throne room with the king. And this is what he says. You prepare a table before me. In the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Do you see the illustration? He's in the valley of death with the good shepherd and he starts to celebrate him and he starts to see the Lord preparing a table for him. And the analogy switches from a sheep to a shepherd, from a, an animal to his keeper, to a man seated at a table, invited as the guest of honor, invited, anointed by the king to come and be with him at a completely different level than just a shepherd to the sheep. It's like a father to a son. You're invited into the courts to sit down as royalty. Isn't this a beautiful picture? Jesse, you, you, you really did this well. This is nice. <laughs> It's a banquet table in the presence of your enemies, in the presence of evil. The victory is already being celebrated. Think of the comfort it would be to be in the house of the Lord, sitting at his table. Your cup overflows. 
It overflows now because of who the shepherd is. It overflows now because of who you are to him. You are a child of God. It's time to pull up a chair to the table. It's time to sit here with him. It's time to take and be a part of the promises that he made to you. And only do you understand this. Only do you become a part of this in your own mind when you give Him the praise and the honor, when you are thankful, when you are rehearsing who He is and His character, when you're celebrating the things He's done in your life like David is modeling for you. He's thinking about the good times, but he's also understanding the bad times. He's reminiscing. He's remembering the promises of God. <coughs> Even, imagine feeling like you're at the table. Even in the presence of your cancer. Even in the presence of your addictions. Even in the presence of your own sin. Imagine the different perspective you'd understand if you actually trusted and believed and rehearsed the power of the message of Jesus Christ. What a different life you would live if you understood that you've been given a seat at the table. Even in the presence of unrest in your marriage and in your home and in your family, even in the presence of great loss. What hope do you have? All along, God has been leading you. He didn't stop being the shepherd when David went through the valley. It's not like David woke up one day and he's like, Lord, what happened to you? You stopped leading me. The Lord is the good shepherd. He didn't leave him. He's led him to the valley. Because over here, the pasture is not green anymore. You got to go over here now. But to get here, you got to go through the valley of the shadow of death. The garbage you're going through right now, God promises to take it and use it for His glory. That's what Romans 8 promises. For all those who are in Him, He promises to use all things for your good. He doesn't say all things are good. He says he uses all things for good. And how do you get through them? You celebrate who God is. And you take a seat at his table. 
and you take a chair, the big boy chair, and you rest in that. The table's used, the analogy of the table is used in so many different places in Scripture. But the most interesting one and the most meaningful one is the communion table. Where our Savior himself sits at it. And he sets the stage. He says, the food that's here is everlasting. The cup that I give you, you'll never be thirsty again. What I offer you here, what I want you to remember here, is that I paid for your sins. My rod was big enough. My staff has pulled you back in. Trust me. Celebrate it. Remember it. That's what the communion table is all about. Remembering the sacrifice of Jesus Christ until the day he takes us home.